Our Old Testament passage today picks up in Joshua chapter 13, beginning with verse 1. Now Joshua was old and advanced in years. Now you got to remember, Joshua had been on a long journey. We don't know how old he was when he began, but he went through 40 years in the wilderness. And now he had all that time since the wilderness, since they'd come in to take possession of the land, and he ruled Israel from Gilgal. So he was old and advanced in years, and the Lord said to him, You are old and advanced in years, and there remains yet very much land to possess. Job not done. This is the land that yet remains, all the regions of the Philistines and all those of the Gershonites, from the Shehor, which is east of Egypt, northward to the boundary of Ekron, it is counted as Canaanite. And there are five rulers of the Philistines, those of Gaza, Ashdod, Ashkelon, Gath, and Ekron, and those of Avim. In the south, all the land of the Canaanites, and Merar, which belongs to the Sidonians, to Aphek, to the boundary of the Amorites, and the land of the Gibalites, and all Lebanon toward the sunrise, from Baal Gad, below Mount Hermon, to Lebo Hamath. All the inhabitants of the hill country, from Lebanon to Misrephoth Maim, even all the Sidonians. I myself will drive them out. I myself will drive them out before the people of Israel. Notice, God was not even asking for that. Only allot the land of Israel for an inheritance, as I have commanded you. Now notice, I myself will drive them out. There are some promises God gives without our partnership. There are some things God just does. And brothers and sisters, some of you need to get a hold of that. There are You've done everything you know to do, and you're out of strength. And there are times that God just says, I'm going to do this myself. But he said, now just remember, treat it all like the other, like all the other promises, allot the land of Israel, to the land of Israel for an inheritance. Now therefore, divide this land for an inheritance to the nine tribes and the half-tribe of Manasseh. With the other half of the tribe of Manasseh, the Reubenites and the Gadites received their inheritance. This was on the other side of the Jordan, remember? which Moses gave them beyond the Jordan eastward, as Moses the servant of the Lord gave them. From Er, which is in the edge of the valley of Arnon, and the city that is in the middle of the valley, and all the tableland of Madiba, as far as Dibon, and all the cities of Sihon, king of the Amorites, who reigned at Heshbon, as far as the boundary of the Ammonites, and Gilead, and all the region of the Gershonites, and the Machathites, and all Mount Hermon, and all Bashan, to Salach, and all the kingdom of Og and Bashan, who reigned at Ashtaroth, and in Edri, he alone was left of the remnant of the Rephaim. Those were the giants. These Moses had struck and driven out. Yet the people of Israel did not drive out the Gershonites or the Machathites, but Geshur and Machath dwell in the midst of Israel to this day. So Israel did not drive these people out. To the tribe of Levi alone, Moses gave no inheritance. The offerings by fire to the Lord of the God of Israel are their inheritance, as he said to them. The offerings, that's their inheritance. Now this is, again, this is part of the teaching why as pastors we don't get involved in secular business. And Moses gave an inheritance to the tribe of the people of Reuben, according to their clans. 
So their territory was from Arar, which is at the edge of the valley of Arnon, and the city that is in the middle of the valley, and all the tableland by Badeba, with Heshbon and all its cities that are in the tableland, Diban, Balmoth Baal, Beth Baal Meon, Jahaz, Kedemoth, and Mithath, and Kirathim, and Sibna, and Zerath Shahar on the hill of the valley, and Beth Peor, and the slopes of Pisgah, and Beth Jeshamoth, that is, all the cities of the Tableland, and of all the kingdom of Sihon, king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon, whom Moses defeated, and with the leaders of Midian, Eva, Rachem, Zur, Hur, Reba, and the princes of Sihon who lived in the land. Baalam, or Balaam, as we often say today, also the son of Beor, the one who practiced divination, was killed with the sword by the people of Israel, along with the rest of their slain. Balaam's end. Why, why did he die like this if he was a prophet of God? Because he taught the people of Israel to sin and separate them from God. He wanted his money so badly he knew the way to get this money is to teach people how to stumble Israel. <laughs> and the border of the people of Reuben was the Jordan as boundary. This was the inheritance of the people of Reuben according to their clans with their cities and villages. Moses also gave an inheritance to the tribe of Gad, to the people of Gad according to their clans. Their territory was Jazer and all the cities of Gilead and half of the land of the Ammonites to Arar, which is at the east of Rabbah, and from Heshbon to Ramoth Mitzvah to Pitonim and from Mahanaim to the territory of Debir. And in the valley of Beth-Haram, Beth-Nimrah, Sokoth, Zaphon, the rest of the kingdom of Sihon, king of Heshbon, having the Jordan as a boundary to the lower end of the Sea of Chinnereth, eastward beyond the Jordan. This is the inheritance of the people of Gad, according to their clans with their cities and villages. And Moses gave an inheritance to the half-tribe of Manasseh. It was allotted to the half-tribe of Manasseh, according to their clans. Their regions extended from Mahanaim, through all Bashan, the whole kingdom of Og, kingdom of Bashan, and all the towns of Jair, which are in Bashan, sixty cities, and half Gilead, and Ashtaroth, and Edri, cities of the kingdom of Og and Bashan. These were allotted to the people of Bakir, the son of Manasseh, for the half-tribe of the people of Bakir, according to their clans. These are the inheritances that Moses distributed in the plains of Moab, beyond the Jordan, east of Jericho. But to the tribe of Levi, Moses gave no inheritance. The Lord, the God of Israel, is their inheritance, just as he said to them. Again, as pastors, as spiritual leaders today, God is our inheritance. God provides. Chapter 14, verse 1. These are the inheritances that the people of Israel received in the land of Canaan which Eliezer, the priest, and Joshua, the son of Nun, and the heads of the fathers' houses of the tribes of the people of Israel gave them to inherit. Their inheritance was by lot, just as the Lord had commanded by the hand of Moses for the nine and one-half tribes. For Moses had given an inheritance to the two-and-a-half tribes beyond the Jordan, but to the Levites he gave no inheritance among them. Notice how often that is repeated. For the people of Joseph were two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim, 
and no portion was given to the Levites in the land, but only cities to dwell in, with their pasture lands for their livestock and for their substance. All right, so they received a place to live. They received a place to live, but not to earn money. So in other words, they could have a home, but they could not own businesses. And the people of Israel did as the Lord commanded Moses. They allotted the land. Then all the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Jehunan, the Kezanite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, in Kadesh Barnea concerning you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again, as it was in my heart, as it was in my heart. All right, so the good report was in his heart. I like that. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart, notice, heart, made the heart of the people melt. Yet I fully followed the Lord my God. Now, what a statement for him to begin to make. What a statement for Caleb to make. I fully followed, I wholly followed the Lord my God. I, I didn't do it in a peace way. I didn't do it piece by piece. I wholly followed. And now, beloved, here is, here is a, great, a great prayer. And here is a great heart. A great heart sees with faith. He saw everything that they saw, all the giants, all the fortified cities, but a great heart sees the problems in faith because they've got a heart full of God. And a great prayer is for a heart of obedience. So we have a heart of faith, and we have a heart of obedience. That was Caleb's heart. We sing a song at COP. I want a heart like that. Well, I want a heart like that. I want a heart that sees faith, that sees everything through faith. And I want a heart of obedience that I wholly, not partially, wholly follow the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord your God. Now, these are what we call special blessings. He got more than just his piece of the inheritance of his tribe and of his family. He had something special set aside. The land on which his foot trod, that whole area, God gave to him because of his heart of obedience. Always understand, obedient hearts, extra blessings. <laughs> God's just like that. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. Why was he alive? All the battles and all the wars he'd fought, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he has said. These 45 years since the Lord, since the time the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel walked in the wilderness, and now behold, I am this day 85 years old. 
I am still as strong today as I was the day that Moses sent me. My strength is now as my strength was then, for war, for going, and for coming. <laughs> God preserves strength. Wow. I like that. That's what I want. 85 years old, and I want to be as strong as I was when I was 40. Now, that's what he's saying. He's saying, I'm just as strong at 85 as at 40. He said, that, that's, that's my prayer. All of you seniors said, amen. So now, give, this hill, give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there, <laughs> the giants. And with great fortified cities, it may be that the Lord will be with me. And I shall drive them out just as the Lord has said. So he's 85 years old asking for the giants. <laughs> oh, seniors, beloved, please get a hold of that. 85 years old asking, give me the giants. I know this is the promise that you have for me, Lord. I know how huge this task is going to be. I know how strong the battle is going to be. But God, you promised me that land, and you will be with me. So give me the giants. Now, now there's so much to unwrap there, brothers and sisters. And, and I want to teach that to the seniors. That, that should be a whole sermon one of these days. A, a sermon for seniors. I'm going to mark that off. A sermon for seniors. Seniors. The promise God made to him long ago. Oh, look at it. It's number one. It's an old promise. 45-year-old promise. Number two. It requires great battles. You're old, <laughs> but God is with you. Now, I look at things like that and I go, God, could I have been so faithful when I was young that the biggest battles you have for me are when I'm old? Wow. Wow. I don't want to slowly fade into retirement. The biggest battles, the greatest challenges are in the old age because I still know that God is with me. Ah, there's a sermon for seniors. Ah, therefore Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jehunan the Kezanite, to this day because he wholly Followed the Lord. Reward, the God of Israel. And now the name of Hebron formerly was Kiriath Abra. Abra was the greatest man among the Anakim, and the land had rest from war. Now notice the land. One of the things I taught you earlier in the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, is that death and blood pollutes a land. The land has rest from war. Uh, 
God is good. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship.
Before we get into our New Testament passage today, let's talk about services this week. As you know, we're now under MECQ, which means we can have uh, Fortress 91. So all week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, we'll have small services for your family. If you want to come in with your family, uh, we'll have special areas set up. We'll have like a little 15-minute service for your family. Uh, we'll have communion for you. We'll sing with you. We'll pray with you. We'll share a little devotional thought with you. And that way you can keep your family bubble. Now, those of you who want to be in main services, we are at 10% capacity at Maine and South and East, but we are at 30% capacity at North. Though, to be honest, to keep things safe, we're going to only put out 20% capacity. All right. I know they, they said 30, but we're only going to do 20%. We're going to have the big drive-in service on uh, Saturday morning because we can't have Friday night because of eight o'clock curfew, but we'll have uh, a Saturday morning drive-in service. Uh, it'll be hosted at South Campus. I'll be there preaching on the go truck. Uh, and so we'll have a big full parking lot full of cars. Then I'll preach to the cars like we've always been doing for the last just about a year now. And then Saturday afternoon at four o'clock, because we have to again be home before eight. We can't start a service at six. So we'll start a service at four o'clock so we can be out in time for getting transportation home because transportation gets difficult by six. Uh, and then on Sunday, we'll do the 7.30, 10, 12.30, and 3. And again, in the Saturday night and in all the Sunday services, we will also have the parking lot services. So if you want to come and just sit in your car in the parking lot, we'll have the radio transmitter set up and take care of you. We look forward to seeing you in services this weekend in Jesus' name. Amen? All right. Our New Testament passage is Luke chapter 19, beginning with verse 11. As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem. Okay, it's it's just about time for his death. They think he's about to reestablish the kingdom of David. They think he's about to throw the Romans out and restore Israel to its former glory. And because they suppose that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately, he said to them, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom. In other words, he's going to receive authority. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minus. And he said to them, engage in business until I come. But his citizens, his citizens, hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. <laughs> In other words, don't give him authority. Just like the people of Israel did not want Jesus to receive authority from the Father. And when he returned, having received the kingdom, all right, so this did not work because you don't decide who God gives authority to. I mean, I'm sorry, you don't decide who God gives authority to. And when he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered, now he exercises authority. He ordered these servants to whom he had given money to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. And notice he was looking for gain. The first came before him and said, Lord, your mina has made 10 more. He said to him, well done, good servant, because you have been faithful in very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. 
The second came saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to them, you are to be over five cities. Now, I want you to notice the truth here. What we do in this world while Jesus has not yet returned is going to be a large determining factor as to what responsibilities are given to us in the millennial reign. When we rule and reign with Jesus, understand we will rule and reign with Jesus. So what you do in this life is going to have a large determination about what you do in the future. Now, again, it's not based on accomplishment. It's based on faithfulness. Whatever we've been given that we're faithful with it. Then another came saying, Lord, here is your mina, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you because you are a severe man. All right. So we have bad attitude. Always destroys productivity. You take what you did not deposit and you reap what you did not sow, okay? His opinion. Did not say this is truth. This is his opinion. He said, I will condemn you, but with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew? You can almost hear him saying this facetiously. This is your opinion of me. This is what you thought of me? You thought that I'm a severe man taking what I did not deposit or reaping what I did not know? That's what you think that you know about me? Okay, again, this is your opinion. Your truth, as people like to say today. This is your truth about me? Okay, I'll condemn you with your own words. <laughs> now, now, brothers and sisters, you, you got to understand Sometimes you just can't get mad by people's attitudes and their truth about you. You have to understand who you are yourself. This man was not angry. He, he just said, okay, this is what you believe about me. I'll judge you with your own words. If those words are true, if what you say is true, that you were afraid of me and that I'm a nasty, nasty person, why then did you not put my money in the bank? And at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. Okay, so he asked the question, why? He said, if your truth is true, I'm going to judge you by your words. If what you say is true, then why? <laughs> In other words, actions did not match words. If you really believed that he was a severe man, and you were afraid of losing anything. Okay, stick it in the bank. At least you get it back with interest. You see, brothers and sisters, he really didn't believe that this guy was a severe man. Or he wouldn't have sat on it. If he, By sitting on it, he showed he wasn't afraid of this man. Can you see that? By sitting on it, by doing nothing, he just shows he's belligerent. He doesn't show that he's afraid. He shows he's belligerent. There's a big difference between belligerence and fear. And he said to those who stood by, take the minor from him and give it to the one who has 10 minus. But they said, Lord, he has 10 minus. He said, I tell to you, everyone who has, more will be given. But for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Now, brothers and sisters, this is a great truth in life. You're going you're gonna to watch God take things away from people and give them to people that have a lot. 
And in our, our socialist way of thinking that the world wants to promote today, that's what we think is supposed to happen, that we, you take from the rich and you give to the poor. But in actuality, God t- takes it the other way around and says, you know, you take away from people who are not faithful and you give it to people who are faithful. But as for these enemies of mine, all right, so we're going all the way back to, we don't want this guy to reign over us. All the way back. Who did not want me to reign over them. Bring them here and slaughter them here before me. (laughs) And when he said these things, he went on ahead going to Jerusalem. (laughs) That's one of those wows. But please understand. There will be those when Jesus returns at the second coming that are gathered together in the battle of Armageddon. And that's just a piece of what this means. And they're going to try to fight against the Christ. And they don't want Jesus to come back and rule and reign. But you know what? They will be slaughtered before him with the sword that comes out of his mouth. When he drew near to Bethphage at Bethany, at the mount, which is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples. Now remember, if this is the Kidron Valley, this is the Garden of Gethsemane, this is the road up the Mount of Olives. Bethany is about over here. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you. Where you are entering, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why are you untying it, you shall say this, The Lord has need of it. But for those who were sent away, he found it just as they had told him. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. Now, I want you to notice something very beautiful about principles of giving in this section. The Lord has need of it. So this this was for God's work, not personal. This was to fulfill the prophecies of Jesus, the Messiah, coming into the into Jerusalem, riding on the colt. This was for God's work. All right. Secondly, it was brought to Jesus. Not used by the two. They didn't ride on it on the way there. And throwing their cloaks on it. So there's personal sacrifice, giving also. So they didn't just go and get something from somebody else. They also threw their cloaks on it. They also sacrificed. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives. All right, there's that road coming down the Mount of Olives that we always walk on coming down the Mount of Olives, okay? We always walk on that road, and we always walk down it. I've never tried walking up it. That is a really steep road. On the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, some people just don't like worship. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out now. You know, I used to read that as a young person and go, the stones would cry out. Yeah, so what? But I think I think either the first or the second trip, probably the first trip I ever went to Israel. And I saw there's not a lot of grass in Jerusalem. There's not even a lot of trees in Jerusalem, but there's a lot of rocks. Not a lot of flowers, but a lot of rocks to the point that in Israel, what you put on a person's grave to show respect is not a flower like we do here in the Philippines. You pick up a rock and you put a rock on top of their grave to show respect. Okay? These very stones would cry out. When I think of Israel and I think of all the rocks, I think of all the stones coming down the Mount of Olives and I think of all the stones going through the Kidron Valley. Talk about an amazing truth. When he drew near, he saw the city, and he wept over it. Jesus loved Jerusalem. Now, beloved, when I say love Jerusalem, I mean the people, all right? When you think of the fact that he knew what those people were about to do to him, and he still loved them so much that he wept over them, that's a heart saying, would that you even you had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. There are things that make for peace. There are decisions that make for peace. For the days will come on you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you to the ground, you and your children within you. And they would not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. This was fulfilled in 70 AD when the Romans leveled the city of Jerusalem and leveled the temple. In fact, when we go through some of the tunnels and we come up next to uh, the wall of the ancient temple, we're surrounded by these giant piles of the biggest stones you've ever seen that used to be part of the temple. And they were all pushed off the top of Temple Mount. They leveled Temple Mount. They didn't just knock down the buildings. They pushed the stones off so that they couldn't be brought back up. And he said, the reason all this happens is because you did not recognize, you did not know the time of your visitation. This, this is a great truth. Judgment follows revival. Another translation said, you do not know the time of your God coming among you. And that's what revival is, God coming among us. There are many parts of the world that when they have rejected revival, now, it took about 30 years, but finally after 30 years, judgment came. Judgment follows the rejection of revival. And he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and saying to them, It is written, My house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Now, again, it's not that they had a bookstore selling books. It's that the sacrifices that the people of Israel had to pay for, because 
if, if they lived far, they were allowed to sell their sheep and goats, turn it into money, and then come to Jerusalem and buy another sheep or goat. Or for the poor people to buy a pigeon. And they could only pay the temple tax in non-Roman money, because Roman money always had the figures of, of Caesar and stuff on it. And they, they considered all of that idolatry. They would not use that money. Now, in order to buy, to exchange Roman money for money that did not have all those idol symbols on it, in order to buy their sacrifices, you know, it was set up to do so in the temple courts. Unfortunately, it became corrupt. What may have started as a good idea became corrupt, and they began to exploit. People who wanted to worship God, they exploited. And you know what? God just had enough of that. And he was teaching daily in the temple. That's what we always say during that first Holy Week every day. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, he was in the temple. And the chief priests and the scribes and the principal men of the people, so the chief priests, the scribes, and the principal men, the, the leaders of society, were seeking to destroy him. But they did not find anything they could do. Why? For all the people were hanging on his words. <laughs> Here's a great truth. When people love the word of God, God's word, God's work cannot be stopped. But notice, they were hanging on to his words. Here's the truth. Not that we love the church, but that we love the words of God. When you love the word of God, when, when a society loves the word of God, Nothing can destroy the work of God. Now, that's a principle that you got to get in you. When society, when the people love the words of God, the work of God cannot be destroyed. The work of God only gets destroyed when people lose their love for the word of God. All right, just a little bit more today. A little bit of wisdom from Proverbs. <laughs> and we've got some fun stuff today. Good sense, sensible people, makes one slow to anger. Or NLT says, control your temper. Good sense. People who have no control over their anger, they are not sensible people. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. Wow. Now, now brothers and sisters, they earn respect, glory, by overlooking wrongs. Now, straight up talk. You know what? Every day in your life, there's going to be things that people do that in your mind has wronged you. It may not be that they wronged you, but in your mind, they wronged you. For instance, when Jesus looked at those guys and said, you know, let the dead bury the dead. They could have walked away and said, Jesus is just so unreasonable. Jesus doesn't walk in love. I have family responsibilities. Ho, ho, ho. They, they, but Jesus said nothing wrong to them. But in their minds, they could take it wrong. See, a lot of times when, when you are offended, okay, when you take offense, when you, when you feel that you have been wronged, either people didn't mean it, or forgive me, you're being what we used to call onion-skinned. You're just onion-skinned. 
and you're just you're just looking for something to be upset about. And you know, sometimes people really do wrong you because you know what, they're having a bad day too. <laughs> okay. And you know what? Everybody has a bad day, except maybe Jesus, okay? Everybody has bad days. Everybody wakes up grumpy one day. And you know what? You earn respect by overlooking wrongs, by not running around whining all the time, but, but oh, they hurt my feelings. Oh, I didn't like what they said. You know, at some point, you got to grow up or you're never going to be successful in life. Notice, you earn respect. It's to his glory to overlook an offense. Now, there's a great truth about, you know, as, as the young people called it today, adulting. There's a great, that this is good adulting, okay? Good adulting. <laughs> a king's wrath is like the growling of a lion, but his favor is like the dew on the grass. Now, notice these words like, a king's wrath and a king's favor. Now, a king's wrath is like the growling of a lion. Everybody say warning. When a lion growls, he's warning you. Okay? So when, when a leader gets angry, the, it's a warning. Okay? Stop what you're doing. Now, <laughs> stop what you're doing. Don't keep pushing in. You start approaching a lion, a lion starts growling, <laughs> you, you, you stop the approach, you stop what you're doing. And notice a king's favor. A king's favor is like dew on the grass, causes growth. When a leader shows favor to you and your company, things begin to happen. You get the materials you need, you get the supplies you need, you get the contacts you need. A king's favor causes growth. A foolish son is ruined to his father. I've met sons like this. They're ruined to their fathers. I mean, they they ruin their fathers. And, and that's, that's a sad truth. A foolish son is a ruin to his father, brings the whole family down. And a wife's quarreling is a continual dripping of rain. Now, a quarrelsome wife is as annoying as constant dripping. Ladies, you don't ever want to be a quarrelsome wife. Okay, well, we'll talk about quarreling a little bit the next few weekends for our offering thoughts. But ladies, you don't ever want to be a quarrelsome wife that every time your husband does something, you're going to have to quarrel. It's just, have you ever tried to sleep at night and you got that leak in the roof? You know, it's at the beginning of rainy season and you didn't find quite all the leaks to put the patch up there before rainy season started. And you're laying there and you hear it, drip, 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 drip. And the more you try to, to block it out and sleep, the louder it seems to get. Okay, same thing. House and wealth are inherited from fathers. Hmm. But a prudent wife, ah, now notice, not a quarrelsome wife, notice the the contrast here, a prudent wife is from the Lord. A wife who sees danger and takes refuge. A wife who's not a fool. That's a gift from the Lord. Some of you gentlemen need to look around it. You're young and you haven't found a wife yet. You're, well, you're not young anymore. You're over 30 years old and you're still looking. You need to understand. Make it a matter of prayer. Lord, I want a prudent wife. Make it a matter of prayer. Lord, I don't want a foolish woman. Lord, I don't want a diva. 
Lord, I don't want to don you. Lord, I want a prudent wife. And God will give you one. Slothfulness. That just means lazy. Okay. Cast into a deep sleep. In other words, <laughs> lazy people sleep well. Okay. I think it even says it that way. Yep. Lazy people sleep soundly in LT. Lazy people, grabe telega, they can sleep. You know, sometimes you, you look at lazy people and you go, how did they spend that much time in bed? Are they going to grow to the bed? I mean, you know, does their skin grow to the sheet? Does their ear grow to the pillow? Lazy people sleep so well. Sometimes you just, you know, they haven't done anything, but when they go to sleep, they just grab it. But notice, they, they sleep well, but they suffer hunger. Okay, lazy people sleep well, <laughs> but they're poor. Hardworking people, you know, sometimes because of problems and troubles, we may not sleep as well, but we don't suffer hunger. Whoever keeps the commandment keeps his life. He who despises his ways will die, despising them, despising God's ways. Despising God's commandments. When you keep the commandments, you keep your life. When you despise, or th and all despise means is to think small of. In other words, no respect for. He who despises God's ways will die. Now, there's some great truth in a lot of different levels today. I'll see you tonight, 7 o'clock, back into the Book of Romans.